As you know, the 2020 election is right around the corner. And this election in America may turn out to be the most consequential of our time. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, put down the hamburger and vote. It makes a difference in America. I know because Hillary told me. <laughs> if you're looking for a strategy on how and where to vote, check out democracy.org. Uh, it will tell you when and where to vote in your state and how to register. Or turn your Victrola to headcount.org and help register your fellow Amer- I don't have a bias. Uh, Mike, you talk. Whatever you do, make sure you have a plan. Go to BallotReady.org and enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed. Get out there and vote. Your vote's bigger in Texas. Hillary and I say vote. 99% of you should be voting. Otherwise, the 1% will eat your cat. Go fefe. Back in high school, each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of With your host, Keith Marnie. Pennsylvania resident, Mike Indiglio! Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were jumping. I forgot to say anything. <laughs> Nothing's changed for you, but it's been like a month since we've seen each other. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a podcast that talks about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season five, episode six, show and tell. We have a lot to show and tell today. It is the Out of Practice podcast, 90th episode, and uh, we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, so I forgot exactly what the hell we do on the show. But uh, how's it yep. going? You are now in an undisclosed location near Philadelphia. Uh, that's true. We, as is usually our uh, uh, mo, I unpacked mm-hmm. very quickly. I am. Yes. I think we discussed on the pod. I, I can't. I can't handle uh, too much box clutter. So the second we got here, we probably overdid it. We got ready a little too fast. But regardless, we got unloaded. I got a new studio set up. There's. I can't even imagine the technical crapola you're going to notice. Uh, it's probably going to sound wrong, look wrong. Everything's going to be wrong, but you know, here we are. We're here. We made it. We're happy. And uh And the new place looks great. You you I sent me a couple of screenshots from your creepy surveillance system all throughout your house. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it looks amazing. It's fun, man. It's it's literally double the size of our last apartment, so I'm adjusting to that reality. Yeah. And I'm learning how to work a thermostat. I'm learning how to work a dishwasher Ooh. and a, a laundry machine or washing machine. <laughs> a laundry machine. The clothes make nicer. Not smelling anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you the the biggest the biggest kind of culture shock so far 
is driving everywhere. It's weird. Sure. Yeah. It's weird. That's I, it. That's all I have. Th- that's it. That That is the only difference between uh, New York City and suburbia. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for you and, and we're not that far behind. We're about a month and a half behind you guys, but we're sort of getting ready. I'm, I'm ready to not be in this tiny little apartment that's falling apart around me. So yeah, I, I, I think that you will find that the stress will start to ramp up even higher than you think it can or will, and then it will subside. Uh, I didn't, uh, spoiler alert, this is going to be a little graphic, but I didn't uh, go to the bathroom on the number two variety for going on five days. I think that was just like stress binding. And uh, I knew that I had, (laughs) I knew that I had passed the stress threshold once I was liberated. I got a very big dick. Oh, <laughs> oh man, if you thought wow. we that moving would make us outgrow poop jokes, boy were you wrong. Boy were you wrong. That was So we have one one co-host who if he can't wipe himself wants to be put down and the other one wants to talk about <laughs> Needs to talk about. <laughs> the prodigious. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Well, we're excited. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get back in the swing of things because we, we took a couple of weeks off. And we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have uh, one of our occasional segments. But we have a lot to talk about in our occasional segment that I'm setting up for you to get the graphic for entitled our loudest occasional. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I needed because I wasn't, (laughs) I didn't, we don't usually go there first. I saw the terror in your eyes and the confusion in your eyes. Yep. 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 I'm ready Uh, now. Well, all right, here we go. Let us all scream. (laughs) I thought you were having a stroke. I just thought you were stroking out. (laughs) Look, I might from the stress. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not having any lower issues, but I might be stroking out from stress. But happily, we have So I'm pretty excited. I hope that you got the uh, the screenshots that I put in the folder. I do because I found out this week that I didn't even know about <clears throat> that not only did my co-host, Mr. Mike Indeglio, uh He's about to have a TV show come out. Not only is he in it, he's one of the leads in it. Mm-hmm. And you filmed it so long ago, I didn't even know you had done it at all. So yeah, I, am- I I forgot it had happened also because a lot of times you film these like pilot things. Well, go ahead and keep pitching it and then I'll explain the whole ramp up. Yeah. Okay. So it is... Uh, now, uh, where is this going to be? It's, it's a show called The Naturals. And it is, it is- airing on YouTube. It's a YouTube show. Awesome. A YouTube, it's like one of the YouTube premium dailies? I don't even think so. I think it's just like oh. on YouTube. Awesome. And uh, it's about you and your family going through a, a crisis. There's been a death in the family and then it gets all, you know, murdery. Yeah, so it's, so a bunch of years ago, many, many years ago, I, did, I shot a like a, a web series episode with this creator, Caitlin Graham. And a few years after that, it was like a one line kind of thing. A few years after that, uh, she asked me what I was up to. And I said, not a lot. 
um, oh, I think I, on the set of that, I'd said, hey, you should write something for us. We look like we could be brother and sister. And years later, she did. Uh, and it's a kind of an LGBTQ slanted uh, crime show. Often, you know, we've, we've talked about this on the pod, actually. Often, these types of shows are helmed by men, run right. by men. And this was like an all-female crew, uh, female director, female writers. And it's, you know, the father of this family is a hitman, and he dies. We don't really know how he dies just yet. And uh, maybe his daughter's going to take up the mantle, and, and I'm the brother of this girl. And uh, season one is, you know, it's it's five, ten-minute episodes. We find out what's happening. It's kind of a pitch, and you know they're they're submitting it to a bunch of stuff. You know how this thing goes. Hopefully, sure. there's a season two if they can find funding and whatnot. But I guess they're going to gauge what the legs of the piece are based on you know how many views and all that. I don't I don't really know how YouTube works, as you can tell by our YouTube channel. <laughs> but it was great. I forgot. I totally forgot I shot it until they were like, "Hey, do you want to come to the premiere party?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, we did a thing. We did a thing." Right, and well, I was—it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully acted. You're terrific on it. Let's let's put up on the screen. I took a couple of screenshots of our our, our co-host here, looking all angsty and fancy. Look at that. Look, Look at you at all that. sad. Yeah, there was this one scene that actually that thank God the edit is cut down, cut down. Uh, I'm supposed to be having a nightmare, and they cut my tongue out, and oh, I'm all right. bleeding. Oh, I forgot to screenshot that. That was awesome. Yeah. And. But that shot, when they shot it, was actually, like, long. It tracked us all the way up the stairs, me getting chased, and then the crawling on the floor, and then, like, panic attacking and crying, and it was really uh, stressful. And then, you know, it gets cut down to, like, 10 seconds. So right. uh, the, I, the thing I love about film and TV is that regardless of how you felt, they always make you look better than you were. And so right. uh, I'm thankful that's, for that. That's what we, we don't do here that we should. Yeah, so I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. Gonna, when does it premiere? All five episodes will go live on YouTube uh, on November 13th, which is my birthday. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, not only your birthday, but a very important birthday. Yes, uh, an it's, undisclosed we're, we're coming up birthday. on Mike's Big 4-0. So, guys, get ready. Get ready. We're going to have to celebrate this in style. Can, so. Keith, can Keith outdo, outclass the really bad uh, animation I made for his? which I think was just uh, the lips of the cast of the show singing Happy Birthday, I think, is all I did. That was true. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, have to get impressive on that. Impressive is a word. Impressive is a word. No, well, I mean, I, 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 it made an impression upon my eyes. It was, cons- it was a consumption of time. That's a- <laughs> Definitely. Well, so check out Mike and Deglio on The Naturals, yeah. on the YouTubes. Check it out. It's going to be... Uh, it's going to be really fun. I hope you get picked up for season two. Uh, me too. Me too. Uh, and it was shot in Boston, which is nice. It was uh, it was cool. It was great. It was a great group of people to work with. And uh, I was happy to have something to do. That was back in the days when there was work to be had. Right. Yeah. I remember those days. Those were fun. And yeah. Those were fun. Okay, folks. Well. Well, hold we... on. I have a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, you, yeah. Talk. you talk. There's two of us. You'll recall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Don't sorry, get me what? wrong. I appreciate the discussion of of my work, but there's other people making stuff, and I I have a list. Oh my god! So a couple of shows I'm going to just shout out. We obviously can't have comprehensive conversation about all of them, but here's what I've been watching. Okay. I finished 
a season one of The Vow on HBO. I believe I brought it up before. It's yes, we brought it up on the pod before. It's the Keith Raniere, uh Nexium sex cult show. Right. I have to say, I was really. It's such an interesting sh- topic, and I'm really into. I'm not into cults, but I'm interested. I'm really in cults. into sex cults. We've talked about the Scientology documentaries. Prior. I, sure, I'm into sure. how people are manipulated in that way. Interested. I should not into. I'm interested in. Uh, and this. So uh, if you'd like to join Mike's sex cult, email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. This show takes a really topical, interesting, mysterious subject and draws it out too long. Uh, makes it all mm. about the documentarians instead of about the the subject being documented. And does can't imagine the, who would do that sort of a show. And does the terrible, terrible, <laughs> ooh, instead of giving you any sort of satisfactory conclusion, it just teases season two. Uh, oh. It breaks all, the, it does all the things that I hate, and yet mm-hmm. I was still uh, raptured by it for nine hours of my life. However, Showtime is, or Stars is releasing a four-hour version of a documentary that apparently is much more succinct and to the point. So I will be checking that out as well. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I just, my, my phone started ringing and I silenced it on the phone, but my iPad is too far away from me. So enjoy, enjoy the sound of my ringing phone. Yes, we will do that. Oh, In addition, right back. I, you know, <laughs> hold on. Let's find out what this is. They called right back. No, they just dropped. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, somebody is, they're going to pretend that somebody stole your identity. I've been getting that call a bunch. Yeah, well, it's either that or something about the house. So okay, well then for that we will we will defer. But until it's proven that it's about the house, I'm continuing to do our podcast. Do it, do it, do the podcast. Next is a show I've been talking about: The West Wing. The West Wing for to do a, it was a. I wish I could remember the, <laughs> the voting. What was it? It was, it was a season four episode. Yes, yes, yes. It's uh, Hearth Hearth Hearthville Station or. Regardless, the West Wing had a reunion. They say it's not a reunion, but it is. They bring back the cast to do a quote-unquote staged reading of an episode, but it's really actually a state, an entirely staged performance. And there's a bunch of special guests and a bunch of PSAs about voting. And I'll just succinctly tell you why I loved it and wept openly. Mm. The West Wing already combined television uh, shooting, television editing, uh, mixed with very cinem- cinem- cinematic uh, direction and cinematic shots, uh, shot setup and lighting. So it was a merger of those two things. What this does is adds a, men- a men- menage a trois to that coupling, right? It adds theatrical- to your sex cult. Yes. It adds theatrical intensity and mm. abstraction. So whereas the West Wing itself, the White House, was a, a major player in the show, it's not in any way depicted on the stage. So mm. they have to do these abstractions. And if you saw To Kill a Mockingbird uh, on Broadway, it's it's very much set the same way. Everything is, is very abstracted. And it actually focuses you on the actors more. You focus on the text more. And because they're on stage, there's an intensity under those stage lights that the actors bring that you don't get as much on television with television editing. And so it's just, and not to mention, the actors have all aged 20 years and so bring this 
aged gravitas to all of the performances, which are just wonderful. Biggest thing to note is the actor, I can't remember his name, that portrayed Leo, the uh, the president's head... Uh, chief of staff. Chief of staff, uh, had passed away in the final K. season. Sterling K. Brown, wasn't it? Yeah, Sterling K. Brown takes over the role. And uh, obviously, he can't fill the shoes, but he gives you the typical Sterling K. Brown. He's wonderful, but, you know, he's always... It's that guy. It's always that one performance. Very intense. Very great. The whole thing was just like a love letter to democracy, a love letter to the show. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. I have to see it. I I mean, I'm super psyched for it. I love the West Wing. I love I love democracy. I love all of it. Uh, but I'm also super watched, excited to see it. Also watched the Netflix documentary. Uh, it's their new crime thing. It's called The Family Next Door. And it's this terrible murder mystery uh, story of a murder that is just terrible in every way, shape, or form. But what's cool about the documentary is that it's all first-person shots, meaning that they take police body cam video, uh, mm. FBI interviews, everything that is sh- there is no reenactments, right? So it's all uh, first-hand footage, which is uh, harrowing. Really, yeah. it's really worth a watch. And then finally, I watched uh, a bunch of stuff, but I want to mention I watched this Netflix Dolly Parton documentary. Oh. We all know her music. Uh, I think her story as a songwriter, which is what this is about, and her career is really fascinating. And if you even have a passing interest in just as a creator, as a writer, I think that this is absolutely a must watch. Well shot. Her story is pretty amazing. Her ability to have separated her career and her personal life through the entirety of both is pretty amazing. And uh, her... Her, her feminism without being an overt feminist to protect so that she wasn't labeled that so she could, you know, have her rise in a very sort of conservatively slanted uh, genre uh, is pretty, is a pretty crazy uh, well, her navigation. Her intelligence has always shown through in her songwriting, in the way that she's, you know, lived her life and 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 been a person and a celebrity at the same time. Like, she's clearly incredibly bright. Yeah, it's it's a great doc. And, of course, every song is a banger, so uh, well worth a watch. So that's, that's, that's the majority of what I've been watching uh, on more TV. Amazing. All right. Well, other people have been watching things, including us, and they have a lot of feelings about it. And we're going to talk about it in a segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. We have a new friend who wrote on our blog, which is Mm -hmm. exciting because I haven't updated it for season five at all yet, but I promise I will. But our friend Jeannie Coefficient wrote, Nice pod. Here is a fun casting fact that might amuse you. One of the nuns in your header pick above talking to Helen, and I believe this was from new evidence when we were talking to various nuns. Uh, she, it played, no, it couldn't have been new evidence. Well, it's one of the 7,000 nuns we came across in season four. That was yeah, like we, all we did. A reminder that we have many listeners who are not uh, current with the pot. They're seasons back. That's right. So uh, we That's still right. love you guys too. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, she said the uh, the nun in that picture played the murder victim in the iconic and great, in the opinion of many, Columbo episode, Etude to Black, with John Cassavetes as the killer. 
Cassavetes offs her after a long conversation establishing motive. You're probably too young to be huge Columbo fans, but people such as myself who have reasonable familiarity with the 70s leg of the series recognize the name. Very cool. See, I I, I love that. You needed a bumper. Who's that nun from Columbo? Mm, you're right. You know, I do watch Columbo. I've been uh, fairly addicted to the streaming service Pluto TV, uh, and they have a channel that's been catching up on all the 70s Columbos. So I have indeed been... Uh, it's it's apropos that this this came in. Awesome. Well, thanks for writing in on the blog. I promise to update it. We of course have heard from good friend Phoenix, who uh, writes about last episode, and he 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 wrote a little skit for us. Says, uh, "What time is it, Key? This is this is the skit we were doing where I was being the, one of Trump's doctors, and uh, what time is it, Keith?" I said, "Well, clearly we are in a spot in linear time." Phoenix on LSD. False. Mike, can you give us a specific time that was ever was at any point? Keith, there are a great deal of specific times throughout time. Phoenix, why the hell am I watching this on LSD? So we have learned so much about our new friend. Hold on. So I have to, uh, me and Phoenix went back and forth a few times. It turns out he wasn't saying LSD. He was saying ISD, uh, which just confuses me because I don't know what he's referring to with ISD. I, I, I think he's giving himself uh, plausible deniability for oh, when okay. the LSD cops. <laughs> All right. I keep I was wondering why uh, every time we we speak to him, he's licking at that stamp. So <laughs> uh, he also wrote in saying playing the DS9 theme over Renee's credits, Rene Aubergenois from Star Trek is a nice touch. Very classy. Although Odo's bucket as the clue was way too esoteric. I already seen the episode and I've seen all seasons of DS9 four times and I didn't even get it. And here I was thinking it was going to be too obvious. I don't know. For I, I, I resonated with the bucket on DS9. It was like it was symbolic of of Odo's uh, self-esteem. So it it was always a very important. It was it, it wasn't quite Rosebud, the sled, but it was definitely like how the bucket played the role spoke to how Odo was feeling about his own identity as a changeling. Translation, Mike was right. <laughs> Fair enough. And Jorge Novoa, founding sponsor Jorge Novoa, just asked us quite straightly, straightforwardly, do you swear to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but? And uh, we can't really do any of those things. But nope. we swear a lot. Uh, keep, did yeah. you know... Yeah, I know we got. I know you got more. Uh, did you know we got a review this week on the Apple Podcast? Somebody joined the jury. I'm getting to it. Oh, all right, all right, all right. I just didn't, 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 I, didn't, the... I didn't feel the excitement, so I felt maybe I hadn't. Met, Jen had to tell me it happened. So, <laughs> no, I caught it, and we're going to get to it. But first, we got a very interesting uh, email from our new friend who is going to go by Mo here, and he says. Hey guys, I was too young to watch the show during its original run, but like five years ago, I watched every season and loved it. I really enjoy the podcast and the laid back vibe, but I gotta ask, do you want me as a listener? I'm a 28 year old white male from California living in Long Island, New York. You would probably assume that I'm a bleeding heart lib, but I'm a Republican and a proud Trump supporter. You guys are really funny, but is it necessary to take so many shots at Republicans? 
You don't like the president. I get that. I'm used to it. But come on. It's so over the top. I'm not some far right guy. I actually disagree with the hardcore pro-life guys. To be honest, I don't understand the obsession with abortion for both sides. Anyway, Keith is really talented. I love the most valuable lawyer thing and seems like a nice guy, but so closed minded. Ironically, your party is supposed to be the party of empathy, but you show zero empathy towards Republicans. You imply that all Republicans are buffoons and that Senator Graham isn't a good man. Uh, he says Mike is cool, too, and always thirsty. I apologize for ranting, but back to my original question. Do you want me as a listener? I just want an answer. I'm not looking for you guys to stop bashing the president or anything. I just want to know if I'm welcome. Oh, and I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. Now too. that's where I draw the line. That that is, you know, be, yeah, that's that's really where we have a problem. Oh, seriously. <laughs> what the hell? Tom Brady, come on. Yeah, well, I I I feel I've been we got this last week and I've I've been like searching for exactly how to respond because I think um it's a it's a very interesting question. And of course, of course we want you as a listener. Of course we do. You know, part of uh the part of the great things about the practice is that it's about the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's about uh, you know, talking through these things and bringing up injustice. But but you know, and I will I will say, you know, you talk about empathy. And um I I really I do have empathy for you. I mean, I I know I can imagine that being plunked down in a in a community where the vast majority of people feel and think differently than you, that's that's difficult. And I, you know, if you dropped me into Kentucky, I imagine that would definitely be hard. Mm -hmm. And so I I get that that's a that's a tough position to be in. And I get that it's tough to be, you know, listening to a podcast that isn't about politics and having things that you support and agree and, and care about get knocked around. <laughs> And so I, I get that. I really do. That said, I guess I, I do believe that a politician's words and actions are revealing of their character and intentions. If I feel like a policy is harmful or creates or reinforces injustice or is not working on behalf of all, then I reserve the right to express my opinion about it and putting it in and the people putting it in place. So short answer, if you're acting like an asshole, on any side of the political spectrum, I'm sure there's a good reason for it. You may not have chosen where you came from or who brought you up, and I have empathy for how you got there, but you're still acting like an asshole, <laughs> especially, perhaps exclusively so, if what you are doing is harming others. So uh, I have absolute, I, I mean, I, we really want this to be a space for people with all sorts of different opinions. That's what makes the practice great. You don't want to have a uh, uh, an amazing case where Eugene and Helen are arguing the same side of something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that side, I, uh, that said, I think if people are coming in with good faith and, and if I, if I think, uh, you know, something that the president is doing is shitty, I'm going to call it out. And if you're doing shitty behavior, I'm going to call you out for doing shitty behavior. So, uh, but you are absolutely welcome and please write in and, uh, you know, if you if you have stuff you want to talk about, let's talk about it. By all means, uh, you know, keep listening if you if if you care to. And uh, this it's all about the conversation, and we're happy to have it. Yeah, I think I was able to succinctly say what I wanted to uh, in my response. Uh, do you have that up by any chance? I don't have the emails open. Uh, I can. 
I think that would probably say it, sim- say it less succinctly for a second, and then I'll. <laughs> well, I do want to point out, and this is for all listeners, uh, and it, this I don't mean this to sound antagonistic in any way. Also, a quick reminder: I do pose links in the show notes and on YouTube, so you can skip this opening forty-five minutes anyway. If you don't want to hear about our sort of like hot takes on what's happening in current events or just us bullshit with one another, you can skip right to the episode. And that's oh, not sure. just if you want to skip our politics, because generally, we, though we discuss our politics in during the episode, it's usually more framed around the episode of television we're watching. Cause mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like Keith mentioned, we're, we're talking about a television show. Uh, we just bullshit in the beginning because we're narcissists and lonely. True. So you can skip that if it's not that you're not welcome, but if you're feeling unwelcome, you know, if you're feeling it like it's boring or it's not speaking to you, feel free to skip it. We're really not offended. Totally. Uh, that said, you know, it is our podcast, and so we are going to speak our politics, and that doesn't mean that your voices aren't welcome. And uh, go ahead and you can read that email. Yeah, no, fair enough. Here's what you said. Yes, we want you as a listener. How utterly boring if we don't listen and invite dissenting opinions. You're saying this better than I said in all the things. Uh, we wear our political views on our sleeves loudly, but in no way mean to disrespect anyone's personal beliefs. Clearly, we get off topic all the time. But that's just because it's the nature of us. But the meat and potatoes of the show always will be the show, mostly. We can't and won't promise to cool it with the president. But when you think it's too much or have a pertinent objection, uh, you've discovered the best way to air it. In fact, with your permission, we'd like to read the episode. Uh, This on this. Of course, uh, you don't have to continue to listen. That is your absolute prerogative. But you are wholeheartedly invited to our little gallery. And your voice is valued. So you, you, you said all that all better than I did. Uh, uh, but that doesn't mean I won't tell you straight up you're wrong about Tom Brady. Although no, Tom totally. Brady has been absolutely killing it. So I don't know that there's any way to even back that up. He's been it he's 43 years he's old. He's not and a pretty monster. Good. He's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> he's a terrible person. He and the president are coming to eat your babies. <laughs> Yes, exactly. They're going to uh, going to join your sex cult. No, you know what, Mo, I'll say this because uh, I know you're listening out of order, but you're going to probably tune in for this one because your email is getting read. Um, you also are the first person. I'm sure you're not the only Republican who's listened to the show or somebody who's felt a little ostracized by our our pretty intense uh, <laughs> haranguing. Uh, but you had the balls and the courage to write in and, and call us on it. So that... Um, I don't want to say calls on it. I'm not because that's I'm not tacitly agreeing we've done anything wrong. But uh, you you spoke your piece and and that's awesome. And and we're we're that's the type of person we're welcome into our community. For sure, for sure. Well, speaking of people, we are welcoming places. Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madden I love when I hear this one. Has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury. What say you? We have heard from a new jury member. We are welcoming in a new jury member. And how did this person join the jury, you ask? Well, they left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. Just let us know that it's there so we can welcome you properly. And this is Natalie M9 who wrote, Fun to listen to you. I enjoy the humor and hearing others' opinions on this 20-year-old show. Overall, I enjoy this podcast, and the guys do a great job with their jingles and sound effects. <laughs> Overall. Overall. <laughs> you know, for the most part. I love the qualification. Yeah. It's really special. <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree. 
No. <laughs> I completely agree. Uh, anyway, thank you so much. Welcome to the jury. It is now desperately, desperately time for us to hop back into the time machine. And oh, yeah. when are we going back to? We're going back to November 12th, the year 2000. And I would like to know, everyone would like to know, what were you doing? This day in the basement. What was the, what was the date? Uh, November 12th, the year 2000. Wow. Almost mm. literally 20 years ago. The, almost literally my birthday. You'll recall my That's birthday right. is on the 13th of mm-hmm. November. So this is, I'm about to turn 20 years old. So, yeah. Literally I, uh, a half a lifetime ago. Yeah. Actually, I I, I remember precisely. Uh, so I was uh, still dating uh, my uh, girlfriend at the time. Uh, Carrie was her name. And she said a really special thing to me. I'll never forget. We uh, We were at my house and my brother was there and we were all having a conversation. We were chatting about something. I don't recall what that was. And I never, you know, you had brothers, Keith, and uh, my older brother and I have always been really close. I've never, almost never felt any sort of competition with him. It's a really kind of a weird thing about my family, whereas most siblings are at each other's throats, we've always been a very cooperative family. We play games in co-op mode. It's completely different than my wife's family. They're all like, they want to win. That's more, my my family will eat you alive. Yeah, it feels that way. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, my brother was, uh, he's, he's, he's a great orator as well. And he's, uh, very learned and he's, he's, and, and sometimes, whereas I never felt, uh, in competition with him, sometimes I did, could feel a little, um, let me think of a good word to describe it. Uh, less than at times, uh, when I was younger, I was a little more, um, reserved and a little less, uh, confident. And so I could feel a little overshadowed at times. Long story short, uh, it was on my birthday that year, because the next year is another very, uh, it's a different birthday as uh, I was my first year in New York. But uh, she turned to me after my brother had left the conversation and she said to me, uh, I'm so glad that you're you and Mm. that's the person I'm with. And I thought that was such a special thing to say to somebody. It's almost like she could intuit that I needed to hear that at that moment. And it was really special, which, uh, uh, is, is the memory I'd like to hang on to because how she broke up with me was pretty terrible. But um, it was nice. It was a really nice and special kind of moment, and I'll always remember that. So uh, uh, my 20th birthday was was pretty good. It was, was a pretty good birthday. That sounds... I, that is such a great thing to say and to hear. Maybe, maybe we all, after, you know, uh, we go through this time, maybe I, everybody has somebody in their life that they feel that way about. Mm-hmm. And we should say it. I think you're right. I should say it more often. Uh, yeah. Well, that's nice. That's very nice. What about nice. you, Keith? Happy, how are you? How are you doing up there in, in Rochester? Well, nothing quite so heartfelt. <laughs> um, I was, I was again going through what this year meant to me at school, and I think it was at this point I was finishing up tonal music theory and beginning a full year of atonal music theory in school. And I, for the life of me, I love tonal music theory, atonal music theory. I, I got it, but I didn't get it. We were, I think, I think it's, it's worth describing to folks, uh, what atonal musicality is. 
Okay, well, in tonal music theory, um, it's based upon a structure of keys and major and minor and, and you know, a couple of other uh, scales and keys that relate to each other. You're creating chords uh, within the context of the key that you're in. So if you're in the key of C, you have a whole bunch of chords within that key, and then you're this, that, the other thing. Or atonal basically just throws all of that out the window. And you're working on a a 12-tone scale as opposed to the eight, like the eight-tone scale is like is like do, re, mi, fa, so. I mean, from uh, from uh, Music Man, not Music Man. Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Um, whereas atonal, well, I mean, it could actually go beyond that with semitones and completely without tone. But for the most part, the theory of it is you're you're working on all 12 notes of the scale. So if you go to your piano, there's 12 of them between C and C um, going up chromatically. So you're so you're not working in a key anymore, and it becomes this huge, a lot of it, or at least the theory that they taught, was all of these sort of mathematical equations and working in opposing this, you know, opposing directions, and it was how do these things fit in relation to each other? We'd, we'd spent weeks on hexachoral combinatoriality, which I don't even remember what the fuck it was, but I remember learning that word and having to do, it was, I can't believe we spent almost a full year on atonal music and atonal music history too. That was the only class I've ever fallen asleep in (laughs) during, in my entire life, I fell asleep in the 8.30 a.m. atonal music history class. But it was, it's such a crazy thing it was almost like my French class, which I was also taking then. I attended it. I passed it. I understood it at the time, but it is gone, all completely gone, because that's not the type of music that I write. Whereas the tonal music theory, I still use every single day, and I'm still excited about it. I'm jazzed about it. Like, uh, Jillian is helping teach a music theory class in the weekends, and like I'm like, oh, what did you teach today? Let's talk about it. It's all fun. It's but very atonal. akin to... Uh, so... Carl Sagan did this great uh, discussion about the fourth dimension, like the the, the space time dimension, mm-hmm. and basically uses an analogy of. Phoenix, imagine we should give you an LSD warning before we get into this. <laughs> yeah, you should imagine. You know, imagine uh, a flatlander, a person who lives in a two dimensional universe. Mm-hmm. Imagine them trying to then comprehend the third dimension. You can't. You can't. It's outside of your your experience. You know. Right. You're, right. And. Trying to wrap your that, that trying to wrap your head around that feels what trying to understand atonality is, right? Because it's like here's all the rules of music. Now, then there's this other flavor where none of the rules really apply. So yeah, or completely different rules apply, and that's what I uh, that's what I was sort of surprised by <clears throat> as I understood it more because I thought it just meant yeah, do whatever the fuck you want, but no. actually yeah. there's a whole mess of other sets of rules to be working by and you know or you can throw stuff out i um i'll it's talk like about free it. jazz free jazz you know it's like it, yeah, it's it like, sounds like real weird free. shit's happening but listen to the bass player it, there's yeah. something he knows where the, the changes are so we'll there's they're operating it. under yeah we'll talk about it next season um but i i did an atonal opera my senior year which was unbelievably difficult but once I got to know it long, you know, like actually like rehearsing and getting to know the show and performing the show, it really became intensely beautiful because when you're working um, outside of 
regular standard tonalities. You're sort of you're all over the place, you know, rhythmically and note-wise, but then you can just dip your toe into something a little bit more melodic. And then just because of the context, it's like <gasps> and so it was this really fascinating experience to be hopping around uh, it's it's a it's an opera called Transformations and it was a it was a, an atonal opera version of Anne Sexton's tellings of the Grimm's fairy tale. So it was super dark and weird and we're all in an insane asylum. But then like every once in a while it would hook into this incredibly gorgeous music. And it was actually quite moving uh, once once you got there. But it was a journey to get there. I, I don't know why I'm inputting this. I'm sorry, but I'm putting it in there. Uh, there's an album, Radiohead. That's my favorite band. Uh, their Kid A album. There's a, a song called How to Disappear Completely and Never Be Found. And the whole song is very 145, very common chord structure. But during the whole piece, and it's Radiohead, so it's a dark piece, obviously, there's a, a violin or a combination of strings that are playing, uh, just just riding a note um, that is completely not related to the key in a different key. It, it, it is out of place, and it's irritating and eerie, all right? And it's it makes you feel offset the whole time. But then, towards the very end of the song, the climax, the whole key resolves into that mm. key. Yeah. And, and, and it's now a major mode. The whole song is in a minor mode, and then it's in a major mode. And it is it it, it elicits an emotional relief, an emotional yeah. release and response. And, and that's, for me, one of the times where it makes sense. You know what I mean? Where it's, oh, I can see where it has its uses, right? So you can combine the two things. Oh, absolutely. And I I, I love that an analogy because I think it is where as a, as a, as a composer, as a writer, as a, as a nerd, this is where you have the intersection of math and emotion because mm. you can use math to elicit emotion because music is math, but music is also emotion. I, I don't know. It's, it's, this is why I love music so much is because of you, you have this ability to create this thing within this structure that touches something completely unrelated to itself and something unique and special to every single person. You hear the same chord. Everybody hears the same chord, but it means something to different to everybody else. Everybody, it means something different to everybody. So, whew, wow. We really went off the, uh, we went into music. We'll we'll do another podcast on on atonal yeah, put it on the music. list. Put it, put it on our list of podcasts. We got it. We got Oh whip boy, up. Keith and Mike talk atonal music. <laughs> That'll get a lot of hits. <laughs> right after they just did a whole thing on politics. On politics. Now we're going to talk about a twenty-year-old TV show because we because we are finally. Uh, oh wait, no, it's not. No, we're not. We're staying in twenty years ago because it's time for. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, well, this week's number one hit was one I was looking forward to because it always makes me laugh. It is, of course... I close my Begin to pray. <laughs> tears of joy. Stream down my, my face. Sweat arms wide open. Under the sunlight. 
It is, of course, Arms Wide Open by everybody's favorite band, Creed. This cover, dude. (laughs) With arms wide open. So, uh, yeah, everybody enjoy hearing that. Well, we talked about the cover. Oh, go, go ahead. I have to interject. I'm sorry. I have to go off the rails for a minute. I forgot. I mentioned months ago that this portion of my life is like there's a lot of gaping holes. Right. In my uh, that I've repressed or that have just gone away. I just remember that song elicited a memory that I have to talk about. We're going into full therapy mode. right Oh, let's let's do it. Yeah. We were just talking about how music means something different to everybody. At some point in the past couple months since this album released, so going back in time a little bit, before I met my girlfriend that I have now in this time space. Right. I'll never forget my pen pal from Canada, Janine, came to the United States to visit. I know this because I remember making out in my car to this song. I think a lot of people made out in their car to this song. Even though it's ostensibly a terrible song. It's very catchy. It it is undeniably catchy. Oh, man. In real time, it unlocked a memory that I had long since forgotten. So, sorry. I'm in a place now. Go ahead. Tell me about the the Burlington Free Press. You were making out with somebody. (laughs) I I promise you, I was not making out to Creed because this didn't get a lot of play in the Eastman dorms. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open, I'm gonna level with you right now, Keith. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Making out is um, underplaying it. I, I, th- I believe I lost my virginity to this song. Is what I'm saying. Oh my god! Now that's a real. At, mi- that's at like 18, 19 years old. Yeah. You, you played hide the pickle to Creed. Wow. With a, with a Canadian. With a Canadian. With your girlfriend who lived in Canada. <laughs> wow, guys, this has been. A very revealing episode. I'm, uh, I'm a little embarrassed. Am I getting flush? No, don't get. No, hey, look, we we all had to. Uh, we all had to do it somehow. Listening to something, and <laughs> at least it wasn't Creed. sobs. <laughs> <laughs> no, the sobs were after. Oh, we played too much Creed, by the way. Oh no, it's a cover, right? Okay, it's a cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea. We'll we'll see what happens. Whew. Anyway. <laughs> Tell me uh, about the front page. The front page of the, of the Burlington Free Press. Mike loses virginity. <laughs> Mike taps first maple tree. Mike, <laughs> Mike sticks it in the sap hole for the first time. Uh, deep cut for out of practice podcast listeners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, I think this is from the pilot. Wow. Anyway, so the Burlington Free Press, of course, said Bush sues to stop count. So this was oh, uh, what a downer. Course, I know. Well, uh, well, they were stealing the election in 2000. And yes, I, the opinions expressed by me are expressed by me. Uh, yeah. So this was the beginning of the long process of trying to stop people's votes from being counted. The top movie we got through the entire cover. The top movie was Charlie's Angels. In its second week of dominance, which takes us forward finally to the important segment. 
It's time, it's, time, time. it's time It's time for sports balls. The New York football giants walked into the juggernaut that was the greatest show on turf and lost the 30-24 matchup at Giants Stadium. Rams backup Trent Green threw for four touchdowns against Kerry Collins, three including two to Ike Hilliard. The fame, the game dropped the Giants to a still very good 7-3. Meanwhile, the Philadelphia Football Eagles won an overtime thriller against cross-state rival Pittsburgh Steelers 26-23. Jerome Bettis rushed 30 times for a buck 34 and a touchdown. Somehow I in the tra- in the move I deleted that overlay, but oh well, I'll get it next time. Oh man, I, I didn't have anything blocking my face while I did that. Keith, can I make a plug real quick while we're here? I think it's apropos. I mean, we we've just thrown all the rules out. We'll get back on track next week, maybe. Uh, no, tomorrow, which is when this. So with the day this podcast drops, if you're one of those people who listens on the day, uh, and you uh, like our politics or disagree with them. I'm doing, I'm hosting a uh, Don't Trust the Internet game show, GOP edition, We Go Low edition, it's called, <laughs> where we will be asking all kinds of trivia about the uh, the grand old party. Uh, oh, fun. About hoaxes, about bullshit Oops. lies, about all kinds of stuff. So you can go to SeizeTheShow.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's tonight at 7 or 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. I don't remember which one. But uh, should be a good time. Thanks for the plug. Okay, awesome. Yeah, no, check it out. I mean, hey, look, maybe one of one of the presidents can show up. Uh, I was going to ask you if we can maybe use your confefe. Confefe. Sure, you can use whatever you want. Great. Comedian? I, I, I'll be <laughs> comedian? I like game shows. All right. It is, oh, you know what it's time for? Weather. Can you tell me the weather? Cause we all need to know Was it hot or did it snow? Tell me the weather From 21 years ago Exactly half a lifetime ago Well, the weather was hot and steamy if you catch my drift, <laughs> even though it was cold outside in that Honda Prelude, it was nice and warm. And uh, and just like my preparation for this week's weather segment, it was over way too quickly. <laughs> it did not take place long enough. So I, I, that's I, all I do got. hope it was protected. However, I, ho- I hope you wore your raincoat. <laughs> I believe so. Unless, who knows? If you live in Vancouver currently, or Surrey, BC, and uh, you have big, bushy eyebrows, uh, <laughs> and you're exactly 20 years old, or 19 <laughs> years and three months old. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, uh, this is an entire episode about Creed helping <laughs> Mike lose it. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> The opening number on this album was a banger too. I'm trying to remember it. Anyway, I, I I can't I can't tell you my my Creed knowledge is only this wide open. Okay, so that leaves us time. I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk.
Okay, this episode is The Practice, Season 5, Episode 6, entitled Show and Tell. Like Mike did in the back of the Honda Prelude, he showed and he told, and then he told about it on the internet 20 years later. Uh, This was written by David E. Kelly and directed by West Wing director Alex Graves, who last directed Race Ipsa Loquitor. Loved that one. I know, I'm excited because it's Alex Graves, which means it's going to be a big episode. And we only have one last thing to do before we listen to it, and that is... What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? I don't play guitar. I make both hands do the shot. What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Show and tell. I see a uh, a, a lav mic right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the sake of everyone, I hope this is the... The final chapter of the wife is dead, lying brother on the stand case. Bobby's guy is going slightly, Bruce Davidson is going slightly crazy in jail. Uh, It's finally time for his retrial. And I think they're going to put on a great show. But in the end, Bruce is caught on a hot mic. Revealing that he actually did kill his wife. And so uh, that's going to be my big swing. Season five is the season of big swings. I like it. All right. It is now time for you to hop over to your podcasting service of choice to listen to us. Listen to The Practice, season five, episode six. Politics free. There's probably going to be some politics. The Practice, season five, episode six. Show and tell. My arms are so wide Do you feel open pressure because he's your friend or because you failed him? Both. I want to get him out because I care about him. And yeah, because I tried a lousy case. Of course I feel pressure. How could I not? This guy committed murder. And the only thing standing between him and the street... Big fan, box fan. Is me. It's It's a bit unusual for the lead prosecutor to suddenly flip and think he's innocent. Helen Gamble started feeling guilty over tactics and she became clouded by her conscience. Yes, all right, so let's address it now that you saw it. Yeah, if you're watching this on on the Hulus, you'll notice that we are getting a slightly different camera shot and there are graphics announcing who these people are because we are doing another documentary episode. This is sort of a... Sequel to Spirit of America, which was, which was one, one of our, tops. our favorites. Yes. And while we're doing it, I will introduce. Who's Guy is the voice of the interviewer. I mean, I'm not sure there's much. More, I could be much more instructive than that. Or clear, clarify. Whatever word I'm looking for. It's pretty straightforward. It is John Bellucci, who uh, does a lot of voice work, including Thunderbirds, Buffy, Star Blazers, and he was actually the same documentary interviewer from Spirit of America. So if oh. we're doing our homework at home, then this is the same team documenting another case with this firm, clearly with much better cameras. So it's canon. 
It's canon. All right. She's wrong. But she Bay will do anything. DAs like him make it easier for defense attorneys like me to stay passionate about what we do because to me, he basically represents a police state. Oh, I don't expect it to be at all, Sybil. Bobby Donald fights for clients like it was Linda his Hunt, life on the line. And Richard Bay prosecutes like the victim was his mother. Isn't that I love good? that we're getting just the A-case. Zealous advocates, it's really, isn't that what it should be that's about? That's what we need. One would think. But when fights get this ugly, it's rarely in the interest of truth. It's messy. It gets personal. You think you'll win? I know I will. How can you be so sure? Because this time I have the video, which means Scott Wallace will have to take the stand and explain it. And when he does, I'll get him. He'll lose it up there. So Watch. I don't remember when it was, Keith, but at some point we fought to keep the video out of it, right? Yes. Well, that the, the first trial, they were able to keep the, the confession, quote-unquote, video out. But this trial, it is in. That's what we talked about last week. Judge Hiller ruled that the video is in evidence. So, so that, that that'll be, be trouble. what's different about this version of the case. That and Bobby's in more than like five minutes of the episode? Possibly, possibly. We can only hope. Yeah, one can hope. So yeah, it'll be very uh, interesting to see. And I, But I really like the idea of showing, because if we're going to keep going with this case and beat it to death, at least we're doing it in a different format. That's interesting. Yeah, that's true. This is episode six of this case. That's right. Now you'll notice here that all of the guest star uh, credits are happening before the episode starts. So we, we're hearing sort of street noises, but it's just credits on black Witnesses because they don't objective. want to uh, break I want the you fourth to wall neutral, and the suspension of disbelief you need to be every bit the advocate the documentary I am. because the documentary Never wouldn't forget, have the actual Never forget, your goal is to help names. the prosecution secure I guess this would be the fifth wall. To put a murderer in prison. That's right. That's right. That means fourth dimension. Get out that LSD. He can't be steered. And he will absolutely try to do just that. His whole defense is reasonable doubt. Every question he asks you, it's to build reasonable doubt. At the first trial, he got you all to admit this things were possible. In conference room, why are there so many drop so, spots? Too submissively. Very expensive This is why I brought Cindy Keller in tonight. She's our behavioral psychologist. When the defense lawyer forces you to say the words that he wants you to say, you can nevertheless use body language to convey your opinion. It's all a presentation, and you have to train your witnesses to be showmen a little. The key is they can't come off too much like advocates. If they do, they have less credibility. We used to have an advantage. People trusted the police. That advantage is gone now. Because they cheat. And Richard Bay will cheat. He absolutely will. And that seems to be a refrain with you. One that I have to be mindful of the entire trial. A lot of handheld What will be different about here? this trial? Yeah. I'm going to win. <clears throat> I mean, unnecessarily tactics, bumpy evidence, witnesses. So what the guy was juggling. There? That tape. That damn videotape. He'll play it every chance he gets. We think you had an argument. Cut to the tape. You Day the tape one of again. trial. Here we go. Maybe by accident. She was unconscious. You were afraid of how it might look. You put her in the car to make it look like a suicide. 
We see that there are cameras in the courtroom. He's breaking down crying. Detective Larson, uh, does that videotape fairly and accurately depict what happened in that room? Yes, it does. What did happen in that room? From my experience, Scott Wallace admitted to killing his wife. Objection. Overruled. Did he ever say he killed his wife? No, but... In fact, he maintained his innocence and he still does, doesn't he, detective? But when confronted... When you say admitted, you mean the behavior we just witnessed on this tape. Right, detective? Correct. With words, he's always maintained his innocence, hasn't he, detective? With words, yes. Are you a psychologist, detective? No, I'm not. And if a psychologist was of the opinion that Mr. Wallace's behavior on that tape... Objection. He's trying to introduce psychiatric... I'm posing a hypothetical to the witness. I'll allow it. If a psychologist was of the opinion that Mr. Wallace's breakdown on that tape was more the product of despondency... Your Honor, if he wants to introduce psychiatric testimony... Uh, Mr. Bay, your objection is overruled. Once again, if a psychologist looked at that tape and concluded that it did not constitute an admission to the crime, do you have any medical training which would enable you to overrule him? Do I have any medical training? No. Thank you, detective. That's all. Okay, Bobby. How many suspects have you interrogated in the course of your career? Hundreds. Hundreds. Do you think you would recognize a silent admission if you saw one? Absolutely. Based on your experience as a police officer who has conducted hundreds of interrogations, what did Scott Wallace's silence convey to you? An admission that he committed murder. Thank you. There's also a Do you TV have any formal training in behavioral psychology? No, I don't. A lot of extra tech Thank you. in the courthouse because they're filming it. Well, we also had to get that Sony logo on there for that That's product right. placement. When we first and there's started, a compact logo. It's just Bobby and Oh, me hey, Rebecca, welcome to the show. He was so wide-eyed. Every case, his eyes. <laughs> oh, and if it was a murder Oh, so case, literally God, he was wide-eyed? The light mm-hmm. coming out from his eyes. And it didn't bother him a bit if the guy was probably guilty. With eyes wide back, open. We defend the guilty because ultimately it protects the innocent. Oh, he'd say that was the high. You know, he also had the you spare know, tire in his office. And, uh, some people have made innocent. a joke about that for six seasons. And, and uh, now it was for one episode. He hates it when they're innocent. Like this one. Just too much pressure. I mean, that's why none of us last on this job. You can only bear it defending the guilty. What a weird How admission to me. doing that? He was it's screaming at her, story, calling though. her a liar. And she was pleading with him to stop screaming. Are you sure this was around 9.30 p.m.? Yes, that's when I walk my dog. You recognized my client's voice screaming because you'd heard him scream before? Many times. So there wasn't anything hugely unusual about them arguing that night? No, they fought a lot. And in fact, you didn't call the police or try to intervene, did you, sir? No. I wasn't crazy about calling that witness in the first trial. I wasn't thrilled about it here. But I have to establish I love these documentary line. episodes because it's you get a lot of, As like, a rule, when you come baseball. across anemic little wimps like Mr. Berenson, who haven't yeah, got the oh, guts sure. to get involved at the time, you can be sure they'll be pretty great way for the characters to give too. us their internal monologue but and I their, like, strategy moments. The timeline. Right, and it, in, in a way that's a little less awkward than having them talk Why to themselves. Why are you so sure he's innocent? Yeah, or like sure in the exposition. I know him. Plus he passed the polygraph. That's what really gets me. I like the detail 
I mean, they may not all be wearing admissible, but lie detectors are pretty damn reliable. Which means and they the have a prop mic and, the and police, a real mic. They believe in them more than I do. Here we got a guy who passes over and over and over, and they still prosecute. Why do you think? Because the media declared this a murder, and there was an ensuing public outcry to get a conviction. There seems to be such a huge distrust here. You have no idea. When I first started, the DAs and defense attorneys, we all go out at the end of the day. There were watering holes where we congregate, swap stories. You fought hard in court, but after... Yeah, we saw them at the end of every episode, a, Bobby. It was a brotherhood. Today, brotherhood of debating whether or not we what we do is moral. Don't trust us. We don't every, trust them. After every episode? What happened? It became too much about winning and losing. We analyzed a skin fragment found under the defendant's fingernail. It was a genetic Lone, match to Mrs. Lone Wallace. again? Did you do any other DNA testing, Dr. Wang? Oh, yes. Uh, we found shed skin cells all over the victim's head and neck. They belong to the defendant, Scott Wallace. You know, Keith, before I moved, when I was still in New York, uh, the fact that this person's name is Dr. Wang would have would have elicited a, 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 crub, a cruddy joke from me. But now that I've moved, I've matured, and I don't think I need to highlight that his name is Dr. Wang. You know, and I, I really love the fact that Going to Philadelphia made you classier. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. Now, I won't comment on his last name, but I will pelt him in the face with snowballs. Yeah, if he dresses up like Santa Claus. If Scott Wallace were trying to save his wife, resuscitate her, it's possible his skin cells could have gotten on her that way. Am I right? In my experience, that would be unlikely. I asked if it were possible. I suppose it's possible. And it's possible, isn't what it, doctor, that Mrs. Waitress Wallace there. had decided Waitress. she wanted to compete in, in the Olympics, and while practicing a backflip, accidentally hit her Wait, head you, on a blunt instrument being held by the defendant. This Objection. poor guy from a physician to a waitress. I feel like because I we we unearthed Objection. since we unearthed a few memories in my brain, I guess I had to make room uh, by <laughs> by pushing out like you know vocabulary. As long as we're going for far-fetched possibilities. Right. Mr. Bay, that is quite enough. Dr. Wang, based on your years of experience as a forensic pathologist, did you form an opinion as to the likelihood of what happened? Yes, I did. Could you state that for the court, please? She was killed by the... Dr. Oh. Wang's wide open. <laughs> I was trying to think what would have been playing when I lost it. <laughs> and it was probably like fucking Verdi Requiem. Just taps. Taps. The defense has suggested Mr. Wallace discovered his wife in the car. She wasn't breathing. He pulled her out and her head struck the concrete floor, causing the fracture. Yes, I think this is a bit of a fairy tale. The fracture, she was hit very hard. Is, is it possible Garrett? that she could have gotten this after she died by her head hitting the floor? Anything's possible. My medical opinion is somebody hit her. Doctor, in the first trial, you testified that this fracture was severe enough to be fatal. Didn't you say that? I did. Was it the cause of death? No, the cause of death was monoxide poisoning. So it's possible that the head fracture came after she died of the car exhaust, right? That's not what I think happened. I can't declare it to be impossible. Doctor, you're employed by the Commonwealth, aren't you? Yes. Do you ever get afraid of losing your job if you don't secure convictions? Objection sustained. Goes to bias, Your Honor. The objection is sustained. That's it. 
Now let's move on. It's what he so does when he's losing. To remind me of the it's an excellent sign for the prosecution when Bobby Donald starts we talked about it like that. On the, uh, it means he thinks he's losing. In the first trial, he he was getting his possibles, then then resting. He was more. I think someone actually mentioned this about a, about a previous uh, guest star, but this guy also looks a little bit like the staircase guy. He does a little bit, yeah. It's interesting. Desperate just then. Do you, you see? Know, I, I'm loving. He's going down. Getting again. the characters and this time with nothing here. to. Also, I guess it's it's worth saying now that um, since Richard Bay has joined the. Uh, Jason Kravitz cast. has Jason joined Kravitz, the main cast. Excuse me. Yeah. He hasn't, he's sort of still been relegated to sort of a side character. So it's nice to see him kind of get a feature here that's really meaty. Oh, I love it. And I think he's crushing it. I really like what he's doing. Peel. I hope he doesn't have to eat any food. <laughs> Never gonna let it go. You know, I keep thinking it'll all get corrected. You know, they've made this terrible Bruce mistake. Bruce Davidson, of course. Though, if I'm Bobby and team, you, ne- I would never let my client do a documentary during a trial. Ah, well, that's a really good question that I had. We're going to address. Okay. Good question. This is the land of truth and justice. It'll, it'll all get cleared up. But here I am. The thinking is, for you to get acquitted, it'll come down to your testimony. Yeah, I know this. I know this. I'm surprised Judge Hiller allowed it, though. Are you scared? She's got a soft spot for Bobby. Mm, It's way beyond that now. I think that's enough. That's all. The arrangement is complete access. Well, that's all. You have to leave. The arrangement is complete access? Kyle Barrett isn't testifying. Arrangement with who? Why? They just notified the court they're arresting. We're up. We'll call Dr. Murphy. He's going to hear you. I did. He's on his way. Why isn't her brother testifying? I don't need him. Plus, he'd get peeled like an onion up there. He's a liability. Lying brother's out. I thought you said he was telling the truth. I never said that. I only said I don't know if he's lying. That sounds a little questionable. Hey, question away. I only put on the witnesses I think will help me win. Kyle Barrett doesn't qualify. But this is the witness who got you the conviction in the first trial. In the first trial, I didn't have the video. Scott Wallace was suffering from clinical depression. Were you able Santa to Claus. determine the cause, doctor? Yes, Twin indeed. positional trauma. All right, so this is an interesting one. The first one. was his wife's okay. death. So this is Alan Royal is here playing Bernard White, Dr. Bernard White. We saw him two episodes ago in Germ Warfare, also as the doctor treating Bruce Davidson, but credited as uh, Dennis Murphy. So what? This is clearly an error on IMDb or an error in the script because it's clearly, I think, canon-wise, supposed to be the same guy because he's literally two episodes apart performing the same role. But nonetheless, it gives me an excuse to play. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not supposed to know this. You're not supposed to know this. You've been on the show before. Section. Welcome back to the practice, 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 practice,
Absolutely. Technicality or no, always take an opportunity to play that bumper. I'll allow it. The second, his being accused of that death. Doctor, you recommended that Scott Wallace be hospitalized, did you not? I did. Can you tell us why? I found him to be very close to a complete mental breakdown. Doctor, you've seen this tape before. I want to play you a small portion again. We've all seen it, Bobby. So many times. It's what happened, isn't it? You've heard the prosecution characterize that moment as an admission of guilt by Scott Wallace. Well, I think that conclusion is as dangerous as it is absurd. He'd only just discovered within the last two hours that his wife was dead. Then he's taken down to the police station. He's hit with the accusation that he murdered her. Now, to a guilty man, that wouldn't be as much of a shock. But to an innocent man, that could cause the very trauma That's I'm talking about. That's not Donna the juror. And when he dropped his head... It was in shock. That was likely the beginning of his breakdown. You can state that for a medical certainty? No, but... And you were not in the room at the time, were you, doctor? No, I was not. But if that makes me incapable of drawing a conclusion on the basis of the videotape, why are you asking the jury to do so? You spoke of twin positional traumas, one of those traumas being the loss of his wife. Yes. For this to be so, he would have to have loved his wife very deeply, I assume. And he did, from my observations. Well, if this wife, who he loved deeply, told him she was leaving him, couldn't that be traumatic? Certainly. Is it possible that's when this mental breakdown like started, when she said she was leaving? From the Wizard of I Oz. suppose it's possible, but I don't think He looks likely. exactly like that, actually. Doctor, according to your diagnosis, you or said Scott Wallace was in danger of becoming psychotic, didn't you? He never became psychotic, Mr. Bay. A little bit, yeah. Sometimes... When you get a tough witness, you take what you can get and sit the hell down. I thought I handled him well. And now you have the victim's psychiatrist. I'm not afraid of him. How can you not be? He's going to testify that she was depressed. He'll say depressed. <laughs> oh, then on cross, a, I'll get him to say she wasn't suicidal. Then on redirect, Bobby <laughs> will claim he has motive to say she wasn't suicidal. So Wait, he doesn't have her blood on his So Sony and Compaq are clearly sponsors, but Sprite is not. So they just changed the E to an O. They kept the can. They kept the logo. They kept everything the same. (laughs) A delicious Sprito. That's hilarious. Vintage Bobby Donald. He gets a witness to help him, then he hangs him out. You watch. You seem a little more agitated now. I'm not agitated. This is adrenaline. It's a fight. This. I just I drank a couple too many Spritos. (laughs) My little informal poll in the gallery. And Sprito. I think you're losing. I'm not losing. Why would people think you are? Because with galleries, it's about popularity. Bobby Donald is good looking. With juries, it's about weighing evidence, and they'll do that. I'm not losing. I love that we learned out that Bobby's very handsome. What were you Wallace for? Anxiety. Bobby finally acknowledged it. Depression. Yes. What was she depressed over? Mainly her marriage. She felt it was rather loveless. I think we've met this doc before too, right? Also her uh, yeah, although Did you regard her as suicidal? He was just credited on no, screen. No, I did not. But Doc, hold, hold on, hold now on. Now that this she's is turned up dead, do you now... So, all right, I think that confirms that it is a uh, an IMDB error because... I don't know, because he was just credited as as Bernard White. 
I don't know. It's possible this this might have been just a uh, a, a, a podcast host error. But regardless, uh, so this guy <laughs> is Alan Royal. Right. No, that's what we said before. I don't know. I'm very confused. Move Look, on. Listen, one of these two things is true. Either oh, this right. is oh, okay. either this is Alan Royal or Keith Royally fucked up. So I think Keith Royally fucked up. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. The well because all right, so we credited the first guy. We played the jingle for the wrong guy. It was Peter Michael Getz who played Dr. Murphy. Alan Royal is back as Dr. White. There's too many doctors and there's too many waitresses in this episode. But was the was the bumper still warranted or did we get a freebie? I think we got a freebie. I think we have to send that one back. Okay, well, you know, Amazon same day. <laughs> I think perhaps she was suicidal? No. I do not. Many people experience depression and hopelessness. That doesn't mean they take their lives. I mean, the very reason that Mrs. Wallace had come to me was to improve things. Some of them start she a was podcast. looking forward. I don't believe at all it's that she had the mental state it's just to a whole bunch of life. old white guys. How did it make you feel to learn that a patient you had been Much treating like for Congress depression tonight. killed herself? <laughs> Obviously, it was distressing to hear it. Certainly a person experiencing hopelessness, suffering depression, found dead from monoxide poisoning with a hose connected to the exhaust pipe of the car, you had to wonder if maybe she did kill herself. Didn't you at least wonder, doctor? I wondered, but I still don't believe she took her life. Well, if it were foreseeable that she might take her life and you did nothing, you might be held liable. Isn't that right, doctor? What are you saying, Mr. Donald? I'm saying you have motive to deny she was suicidal. Objection leading. After she's found dead, you don't even notify the police that you were treating her? No. What were you trying to hide? Objection. Permission to treat the witness as hostile? Objection. Jesus. Why not come forward to anybody and say, hey, I was treating her? There's a privilege Take it to 11, does Bobby. not Take survive it to 11. the patient's death. You were trying to hide the fact that you were treating her because you knew she was potentially suicidal. I knew nothing of the Mrs. just like you are now. You You're let right. this man go down because you were afraid of being hit with a judgment. All right, Mr. Donald, dial it back. Meanwhile, did you tell that witness you would be going after him like that? That verdict was scrap. The truth was concealed. It must be revealed. And now it's appealed, 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 appealed. I take it back again, back. Because I checked on IMDb, he is, Alan Royal is indeed credited as Dennis Murphy in Germ Warfare and Bernard White in Show and Tell. I was right and they were wrong. Ha ha ha. Do you ever feel like Keith and Mike spend way too much time on insignificant facts and figures? <laughs> Welcome That's to what the a show. podcast is for. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Okay, so Keith was right. Here's your official Keith was right. Uh, and Keith was all, yeah, uh, uh, different than the hashtag Keith was white. Uh, very, very. No. <clears throat> no. Because? Because I needed him. And he never would have cooperated knowing what he was in for. Why didn't you just call him as a hostile witness to begin because with? Because I knew I'd get more out of him this way. First as an ally and then blindsiding him. I don't think I blindsided him, but. It was a soft yes. plan B. Don't you think that perpetuates the very distrust you spoke of before between DAs and defense attorneys? My goal here isn't to repair trust. It's to get an acquittal. And you're comfortable with yourself? Oh, yes. I'm very comfortable with myself. The truth is, he isn't comfortable. 
And when he and Lindsay have this baby, it's going to be the beginning of the end. I think Eleanor's showing. Days. Why? So clearly, I think, I think Cameron was actually pregnant. And they had to write it into the show. I also think that she's like being real candid here with her opinions. On everybody's bit. Everybody's being super candid. I mean, one of us just told the told the entire internet how they lost it. So you know, sometimes if there's a camera on you, you just start telling the truth. Yeah, I know. Nineteen people are like, "Wow, he was such a late bloomer." I was nineteen too. I was the same. I know that means you and I are in the same category, which really blows up my whole self image here. <laughs> Because with Bobby, this job is who he is. And when he starts to see himself through his son's eyes or his daughter's eyes, forget it. It's over. It's gone as well as we could have expected. That videotape is still the biggest piece of evidence, and you'll have to account for it. I understand. Just tell the truth, Scott. Truth is on our side here. Yeah. Is uh, it not according to Mike? What Mike thinks is going to happen? Again, no. Actually, I prefer not to. I don't want it coming off rehearsed. Keith, what if the wife's not dead at all? Ooh, that'd be no. exciting. Spooky season. Richard Bay. He's going to come at you all rabid. That's his style. Uh, non sequitur. When did the phrase "spooky season" start? I don't remember that ever being a thing. Spooky season? Yeah, I've just been hearing this. Maybe it's a a Philly thing. Have you heard this? I have not heard that. All right, so it used to be Halloween, right? And so you do Halloween. But now apparently starting like early fall, all through Halloween is called spooky season. And we like do a lot of spooky getting ready for Halloween stuff. You go down to Wawa and get a hoagie? That's the worst I've ever heard. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go down to Wawa, get a hoagie. Coke and hoagie at the Wawa. Coke and a hoagie. Get some, um, get some water. Yeah, I don't know. But I've been seeing it on TV too. Like, oh, spooky season, spooky season. In fact, John Oliver did a piece about it two weeks ago. Anyway, I think it's dumb. <laughs> I can protect you. Meanwhile, I think our I documentary camera I can handle just him. floated Lastly, through, <laughs> through a the glass. Your anger towards yeah. your wife for what she did to you. Let's play that down tomorrow. We don't want them seeing anger. Because I don't think they let the camera crew on Bruce Davidson's side and then Lord back. Scott. Stop your conversation. Hold on. we got to reset on the other side of this glass. Other than that. It's clearly supposed to be the documentation character. Ca- camera. Be- document. Documentary camera. Jesus. Yes. Uh, because it had the jittery handheld vibe. This has been a long haul. Have you seen any good issues so far? That's the thing about Judge Hiller. Her trials don't get overturned. So basically, if you don't win here, Scott Wallace is never coming out. Yeah, but look on the bright side. We won't have to pay attention to this case anymore. That's true. I mean, you can go hang out with all of your other old friends in, in jail. Yeah. I'm sure Lucy can show her midriff Were to somebody. Were you surprised Bobby home. said yes to the cameras? Uh, not really. If he loses, he hopes you catch some prosecutorial misconduct on tape. Give him grounds for appeal. Ah, what if he wins? And Richard Bay spots misconduct on That's a little bit revealing, no? Yes. Well, that well that answers your question. Yeah. They're, they're letting him be there just in case they can find an appeal. And Bay's letting him do it for narcissism. 
in Bobby's part. It doesn't matter. Double jeopardy. Not guilty is not guilty. Bay's got the monitor set up. It looks like he plans to show the tape again. What a shot. Can you tell Scott? He's ready. She uh, just announced that she planned to leave me. There's Did you see this couple there? Not at all. Uh, Day three. We'd had our problems, and I knew she was unhappy, but I never expected her to walk out. Big moment here. Did you want to stay married? Testifying. Yes, I asked if we could um, get therapy. Uh, she said it was too late. She'd already made up her mind, and she said that she wanted to live life without me. She, uh, she said it had been years since she felt the slightest twinge of happiness with me. I mean, that was how she put it, the slightest twinge. And uh, she said she wanted out. And then what happened? We argued. Uh, we engaged in some name-calling. Um, Did you call her a liar? Among other things, yeah. And then uh, I went upstairs to the bedroom, got ready for bed, and uh, watched TV. Your wife tells you she's leaving you and you watch television? Well, I had hoped that uh, when she came up, after things calmed down a little bit, that I could, you know, maybe talk her out of it. I mean, I watched television so what after everything. Well, I waited. Uh, after about an hour and a half, she still hadn't uh, come up, so I figured she probably uh, had a drink and decided to sleep on the couch. So I went down, and uh, she wasn't there. So I thought, well, maybe she left. But I thought I would have heard the car pull out. So uh, I went to check. And... Uh, uh, when I opened the door to the garage, uh, I just smelled the exhaust, and uh, it was all smoky in there. And then what? I went in, and uh, I had to open the garage door because I couldn't breathe the exhaust, and, uh, and I saw the hose. Bruce Davids is doing great work right now. Yes, I was just thinking that. It's so casual, like no, a garden hose. in no way does it seem like he's reading lines. Exhaust yeah. of the exhaust pipe of the car, and uh, the car was running, and the t the hose went into the front window. What'd you do then? I ran to the car, and I opened the door, and there she was. She uh, so she her ran the hose back, from the exhaust pipe closed, back into the car. She wasn't breathing. Right. What kind of hose? She looked like she was sleeping. Probably garden hose. Yeah. I screamed, Karen, and I shook her. She wouldn't wake up, and I pulled her out. She, she fell. And uh, I tried giving her mouth-to-mouth -mouth and, and chest compressions, but she wasn't breathing. She didn't have a pulse. I uh, kept... Uh, holding her nose closed and trying to blow air in her lungs, uh, but she wouldn't come back. She wouldn't come back. What a great scene. And when the police arrived, did you tell them all this? Yeah. It's actually a double dip, too, because if he's telling the truth, it's really powerful. And if he's lying, it's even better acting. He's an amazing liar. Right, yeah. right, totally. Yeah. Uh, it's not Donna? 
It looks I I I did a photo side by side, and I I think she's a little older than our Donna, Donna the juror. Oh. If you're if you're a regular listener, there's this lady who shows up in the juries of like six different cases thus far, and she looks a lot like Donna enough that I screenshotted it and did a uh, composite, but I don't think it's her. Wow, that wow. They asked me to come Dead to the ringer. station, Scott. On that videotape. When they accused you of killing Karen, why didn't you deny it? I don't think I could believe what I was even hearing. Yeah, by that. I mean, she, I, they uh, never account for shock I in this. I still stuff. couldn't believe she was dead, and then some district attorney was saying that I killed her. I, I remember feeling nauseous and like I was going to black out. I'm going to give you another chance. To answer that question. Hero shot on Bobby. Did you kill your wife? No. There's a lot of little I'm documentary sorry. details. It's just for a focus. Focus goes in and out. For six yeah, months exactly. you have been asking me not to speak to anyone, and I never have, and I I've waited for this day to come before everyone. I like that's a nod to Bobby always telling him to shut say, up. You know, telling him nobody to say no, anything. I didn't kill her. I did not commit any crime. We keep taking to the jury's faces because, and we, and they showed actually Lindsay looking to the jury to kind of read their response to all of this, which I think is really. It's all correction. about what does the yeah. jury believe here. Jason Kravitz, who's so badass in this episode. You're an investment banker. Is that correct, Mr. Wallace? Yes, that's right. In the month or so prior to your wife's sudden death, how are things going for you at work? Well, it had, it had been rough. Uh, the market was off. Had you been told you might be let go? Well, my firm was scaling back, yes. I, I was told that my position was tenuous. How about your own personal assets? You'd suffered some losses, hadn't you? Few, yes. At the time of your wife's sudden death, you were nearly broke, weren't you, sir? Well, I would hardly say I was broke, Mr. Bay. I did live in a million-dollar house. Fully paid for? No. We had a mortgage of about 400000 Any other assets? Uh, my savings, some stocks. Totaling more or less than $50,000 at the time of your wife's sudden death. At the exact time, less. Uh, but stocks have a... Thank you, sir. So at the time of your wife's sudden death, your assets totaled about 650000 A divorce would have cut that in half. Add to that attorney fees plus alimony, plus you were looking at unemployment. Did you have a life insurance policy on your wife I'd at the time of her sudden that. death? Objection. <laughs> love to have half that as my, life, as my assets. There were life insurance policies for both of us. The policy was to pay you over a million dollars in the event of her death. Isn't that correct? Yes. When did you renew that policy, sir? We both renewed When the did po you both renew that policy? Now, hold on, though. If I'm not mistaken, almost all uh, insurance, life insurance policies have a suicide clause. Like, you don't get paid out for a suicide. I, I believe that's true, yeah. Or murder. So either so way, I, yeah. he's not going to get this money. 
So I don't know well, that it proves any sort of motive. around May? Approximately a month before her sudden death. But... Did you kill your wife for money, sir? If you're a prosecutor, no, you I don't not. know that your that the defendant knows that there's mm-hmm. a clause that means they won't get it. So because he you can kill somebody because you think you're going to get money, even if you don't. Gee, you seem capable of denying it now. Objection. Sustained. You've got a suicidal woman on your hands. You get into a big Sustained. fight and you go upstairs and watch television. Well, I didn't know she was on the verge of taking her life. And hey, look, I was angry that night too. Angry enough to kill her? No. Angry enough to have a mental breakdown? Angry enough to have a mental breakdown, sir. Objection calls for a medical opinion. I'll put it in layman's terms. Angry enough to snap? No. You're about to lose your job. You've already lost your money. Now you're hit with losing your wife, your house. You weren't going to let that happen, were you, Mr. That's Wallace? That's not the way it happened. You snapped. I did You hit not. her from behind. I, I never you cracked my you wife. You I didn't. And I did no such we thing. We saw the tape. I explained. You killed the your tape. wife. I did not. Yes, he got him. <clears throat> They've been setting that up for five episodes. Are you about to get violent, Mr. Wallace? Objection! Withdrawn. But I think that can cut either way. Mm -hmm. Because if you're innocent... Chambers, Your Honor. ...passionately defend yourself, like, that is also... Bad faith. Bad faith? Never, ever in the first trial. They suggest financial gain as motive. None of the police ever said it. Now suddenly... So what? You decide on a new motive between the first and the second trial... Why can't I? ...without any new evidence, that amounts to unfair surprise. Oh, you've got to fabricate a new motive. All right. Bobby, there is nothing to prevent the prosecution from changing strategies. At a minimum, it's bad faith. If he truly believes that money was a motive, they would have argued it in the first trial. I didn't try the first one. Helen Gamble did. Oh, come on, Richard. What are you asking for? The Commonwealth does not have a good faith belief in its motive theory, and to spring it at a second trial constitutes... Do you think that um, Lara Flynn Boyle had something else for a while? Because it it is interesting. We We almost never see an episode without Lara Flynn Boyle. Yeah, I mean, I... And, and setting up, you know, Richard Bay to do a lot of the lifting for her. It's, yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, she was at this point, I think at the height of her fame personally and was doing other projects. So maybe she, you know, said like, I, I can do eight episodes or I can do half the episodes because I've got filming stuff. So they so they brought in Bay to carry some of that water. Makes sense. Unfair surprise and I'm asking that, that it be stricken. Forget it. Your Honor. Don't even waste my time, Bobby. You don't know what Mr. Bay does or does not believe. They are not bound by the strategy of the first trial. Do you believe it? That he killed her for money? I certainly don't know that he didn't. That wasn't my question. You're not asking a question. You're making an accusation, and I'm getting sick of it. The idea of giving you access was to let you observe. It wasn't for you to charge in here with opinions. Was I doing that? Yes. You've been doing that, and I'm getting fed up. You want to point your damn cameras? Fine. But enough with the judgments. What are you thinking right now? I'm thinking this is why you shouldn't represent people you feel emotionally. Family members, friends. Bobby, that's all you do. That is literally your entire (laughs) client list. (laughs) You've never had a stranger as a client in your entire career. You don't even advertise. You just you just make you just wait for the family reunion and see who needs some legal advice. And the best legal advice. All right. So I was a better podcast for a second. Uh, So at this point, I think 
Lara might have been filming a movie called Speaking of Sex, which came out in 2001. So probably roughly a year ahead of time, which interestingly starred none other than James Spader, huh. who uh, will soon be joining the cast. Hopefully not too soon. Just to hire somebody else. You think you'll get a bad case again? Oh, I understand. I was caught Actually, up. Keith, when we get to that point, uh, I don't know what you have planned, but I do want to uh, just put some of my thoughts out there. What I'd be interesting, what I'm interested in when that when that transition takes place, is how it was handled in marketing as well. I'd like to maybe look at some commercials or some like because oh, I'm interested sure. at how we we covered that without making it look like. I know it well, turns into a new show, but how, how did we, how did the, how was the transition handled? Yeah, in well, that's an interesting one. Don't look it up. I don't plan to. It was, uh, it, it was, it was quite the thing and it was very public. Okay. I can't wait. All right. I will, yeah. I will, uh, for the podcast, I will not do any research for the podcast. Yeah. A lot of stuff. A lot of Art stuff. Motive. I let the jury see me angry with a witness. I, I made some mistakes. I don't agree. What do you think, Lindsay? I think it's pretty even. And ties go to the defendants in this business. Bobby closes a lot better than Richard Bay. This isn't over. The question I have, you have a client charged with a violent anger crime. Who's the father of Eleanor's baby? You told him not to flesh anger. (laughs) Indeed. What happened? Does anybody have a copy of that show that we... Resolve that on? I don't know. Wait, Keith, did you just allude to the fact that that mystery is solved on that other, on the other crossover? Uh, well, that storyline is continued. It's a medical show. Oh. Okay. I'm picking up what you're throwing down, maybe. Kind of, yeah. sort of. But we may never know, because that's a, a completely unfindable show. When I first became a lawyer... Wait, hold on. Oh, yes, yes, it is. It is... It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. When I first became a lawyer, I used to call my mother and tell her about my cases. I'd explain all the intricacies. I don't think I was supposed to do that. And she'd get but... bored and snap <laughs> at me, just nutshell the damn thing. And I discovered when I did nutshell, most of those cases, which I thought were so complicated, were actually quite simple. The nutshell on this one. Man in financial trouble renews insurance policy on wife. She announces she's leaving him. She's found dead with a whack on the back of the head. That pretty much says it all. In the way of proof, there's certainly a lot more. All the DNA evidence points to him. Not most of it, all. 
Her skin found under his fingernails. His skin cells and prints found on her head and neck. His admission caught right on videotape. His anger displayed right here on the stand. His own treating psychiatrist diagnosed him borderline psychotic. She didn't commit suicide. The psychiatrist who was treating Karen Wallace, he told you she wasn't suicidal. This woman was murdered. All the evidence tells you so. And Scott Wallace. You put her in the car to make it look like a suicide. All right, everybody do it together. Put your hand on your forehead, lean down. (laughs) He doesn't actually confess here, though. No. Uh, put your hand I in your hair. I think it's more compelling. He told as you so too. Didn't he? Yeah, I I definitely don't think it's the smoking gun, the kiss of death, smoking gun that they keep talking about it like it is. I mean, Bay put up a great case again. Yeah. What the only reason say? Scott Wallace was ever arrested was that perceived admission. The DNA evidence, the head fracture, all that came from him trying to save her. The prosecution's entire case is his reaction to being accused of the murder. It wasn't a normal reaction, they say. That's not how people normally respond. Have you ever been in this situation? Your wife died recently? Your husband? Any of you accused of murdering a spouse? in the immediate wake of discovering the death? We're really going to sit here and discuss normal reactions? Seems to me a a mental breakdown of some sort is the most normal. That's what Dr. Murphy told you Scott was experiencing. Scott himself told you that. He was feeling nauseous in that interrogation, about to black out. As Dr. Murphy said, he was suffering from twin positional traumas. How dare they charge him with murder? Yeah, because Bobby. they didn't like the way he responded to being accused. They better have more than that, and they don't. And now, now the DA wants you to find guilt because Scott Wallace got angry in the witness chair. Oh, you saw his rage, didn't you? Let's convict on that. First they arrest him because he didn't get angry, and now they want you to convict because he did. Fair point. You know, people ask me how I can spend my days being a criminal defense lawyer. Yeah, I know. We know. We know. Defending guilty people. Well, I am in this to defend the innocent ones. And there's an innocent one sitting right over there. For six months now, they've kept him locked up. He couldn't even go to her funeral. He's never been to her grave. They've taken away his life. Karen Wallace took her own. The police have taken his. Enough is enough. Give freedom back to an innocent. Yeah, Bobby. Even Judge Zoe Heller is moved. 
nutshell. Borderline psychotic man in finance. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was Dee Dee. Dee Dee the cat. <laughs> He's never allowed on the desk. That's why. That's amazing. Man in financial trouble renews insurance policy on wife a month before her death. She threatens to leave him. He's heard screaming at her. She's found dead with a fractured skull. When accused of the crime, he doesn't even deny it. Objection, redundancy? Well, he can be all redundant as he wants. He's doing I closing. I get like it. Bobby Donald for the edit. Personally, he's a pretty good guy. It's one thing for two men looking at the same evidence to have different opinions, but you two seem so convinced in opposite directions. DAs come to prosecute those they believe to be guilty. Defense attorneys come to believe those they choose to defend. That certainly makes the DAs sound more noble. We are. Ooh. Thesis statement. Does he usually hibernate? Jimmy! For Jimmy! Yeah. Waiting, it can be a killer. A lot of lawyers just go about other business. Bobby, he can't. Lucy in Aren't the background. There other clients? Plenty. And he could be out right now bringing in new ones. So what do I do in this episode? Oh, we have you in an unfocused cross in the background. <laughs> That's right. We just do a cross. Bobby Donald. If you're looking to build a law practice, he's not the guy to hire. Can we use my stand-in or if my you double? Ever get charged no, with no, no, no. That's a, that's a hard no. Hotline. Oh, and your voice. We're going to need Hello? Verdict's back. Okay, thank you. Jury's back. Ah, see? Important line. Peter. All right, so what do you think this means? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I will say that Given the evidence presented in the edit of the show, I still believe there is reasonable doubt to bring back a verdict of not guilty. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. I think especially on a murder case, you better be, you, I need more evidence than that because everything, it could be this or it could be that. Even if I think, yeah, it's most likely he killed her, that's not proof. Though we'll talk about this later, but I think this yeah. is an excellent episode, and I could have used it like at the second Four episode of the ago. season. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. It, it, the fatigue of the case definitely affects it. This could have been the season premiere. We didn't need anything before this. Yep. Strongest episode of the season for sure. That's pretty good. Yeah. Mr. Wallace, would you please rise? The jury has reached its verdict? We have, Your Honor. What say you? Commonwealth versus Scott Wallace on count one, murder in the first degree. We find the defendant, Scott Wallace, not guilty. Second degree? Count two, murder in the second degree. We find the defendant, Scott Wallace, 
not guilty. Wow. It'd have to and be. And as if the jury Otherwise, this concludes let's your appeal service again. on behalf of the Commonwealth, I thank you. Season five was that one Mr. case? Mr. Wallace, you are free to <laughs> go. We are adjourned. Poor Richard Bay. Yeah. He looks like a fool too because he did retry the case. He did, right? When Helen wouldn't didn't want to. They gonna make out? Bobby, man. Right. Look how emotional man, Dylan's good. We don't he doesn't get enough credit from me. It wasn't as ugly as you predicted. No. I thought they all behaved very well. It was nice to see for a change. Do you think it was the right result? Oh, interesting. Probably. I suppose there was reasonable doubt. But do you think it was the right result? I haven't the slightest idea. What a great way to end the episode. What a great close to the episode. All right. Well, uh, we're going to, why don't you go ahead and jump back to YouTube so you can look at our beautiful visages. Visagi? No, that's not right. (laughs) Uh, Go back to the show. We'll see you in just a hot second. Okay. We are back. We have just have shown and told about the practice season five, episode six. It is now time for us to discuss it. And the way we begin every discussion is... Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. I've lost a few precious seconds. It's a documentary, baby. Richard Bay, Bobby Donnell, head-to-head clash. We're retrying the, the, the Bruce Davidson case. Guess what? We see all kinds of stuff. Here is an argument. There is an argument. Everywhere is an argument, argument. But in the end, enough enough reasonable doubt exists and Bruce is let go. Bobby wins it. Richard Bay loses again. And uh, Judge Zoe says, I don't have a damn clue. Wow. That was, you know, I think you <laughs> did encapsulate what happened. I'm not sure I'd want to see that episode, though. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. Welcome to this place. <laughs> You'll show me everything? Uh, well, uh, well, you you showed her everything. <laughs> well, it wasn't much to show. <laughs> the jury came back quickly, let's just say that. <laughs> oh, it was a prelude to something. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. The Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, they're the fake award show we do at the every at the at mm. the every mm-hmm. of the end episode. Yep. At the every of the end episode, and we always begin with Most They tried in the first episode. 
They tried in the second episode. Keep, yeah. They tried in the third episode. They did. In the fourth episode, they tried again. They still in tried. The, in the fifth episode, what did they, they do? were still going. They tried. They tried. Still going. The sixth episode, they did it. Bobby Donnell and Associates, helmed by Bobby Donnell himself, he took it to 11. He cried. He flashed those baby blues. He did everything necessary. And he got his potentially murdering buddy off. And so uh, as he goes off into the sunset of innocence, I hand my oopsie to Bobby Donnell and Associates and Bobby Donnell. It's clearly Bobby. Yeah. I mean, Bobby stuck with it. He kept fighting. He was over to over. He, he overcame both of the DAs in all of Boston. There are two now. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah. And they did it. Congratulations, Bobby Donnell. Bobby McDonald. Next up. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. I have a lot of mugs. You do. You're very muggy over there. Ain't that the truth. Uh, man, uh, man alive. He's been uh, annoying the living hell out of me uh, <laughs> for the past uh, five episodes, but mm-hmm. he really brought it home in his final. Finally, he was allowed to testify on the stand. And uh, what the hell's his name? Bruce Davidson. Oh, that's his actual name. What was the character's name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we really just like... There was no wall for him. He just was Bruce Davidson. He's that guy. Yeah. Uh, he was, but <laughs> he wins Davidson an oopsie. was actually on trial. It took him the longest to win an oopsie, but he won it finally for me. Yeah. I, I thought he, he did a, a tremendous job yes. um, with that, with that monologue. And, you know, I, I'll talk a little bit more about sort of the, this character's crazy element being a bit of a red herring because mm-hmm. we didn't really see any of it in this episode. But I'll talk about that in the spare tires section. I thought he did a really excellent job um, making that monologue very believable. And and in what you said, it, it's it's it, it wasn't Shakespearean. It was very human, and I thought that that was um, a very very, very well done and uh, glad we stuck around or he stuck around for us to see it. So congratulations, Bruce Davidson. Oh, your best guest actor. Next up. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Wow. Correct me if I'm wrong. Dylan mm-hmm. McDermott is excellent. And, we, and you know I sing his praises all the time. All but the time. I, I thought that Jason Kravitz absolutely, you know, we talked about this. I can't remember who. Um, well, Lucy at one point, Eleanor at one point, when they weren't been being given a, lot, given a lot to do in the show, then they were given that kind of featured episode and they take the ball and run with it. That happens right, with right. all of our ensemble cast. And I thought Jason this time, when he saw that script, he was like, hell yeah. He came in prepared. He knocked it out of the park. Every scene he did in the courtroom and every scene he did face to face with the documentarian crew, uh, documentary crew, I thought was just uh, 
well-honed, subtle, nuanced, and and excellent. So Jason Kravitz wins my Oopsie Award for Best Actor. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're unanimous thus far because about halfway through this episode, I was like, Jason is crushing this. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a very interesting uh, character that he's created here who has much more depth than your typical villain on a show like this. Um, and you can sort of see all the layers of sort of narcissism going on there, insecurity, and yet he's still very likable at the same time. Yeah, he was great. So uh, I, this, uh, Jason Kravitz, this is your first Best Actor cast member. Oopsie. So congratulations. That's a first time you join the cast, you get your oopsie. Very, very exciting. And let's see if we're still unanimous on... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. All right, first we'll show on the screen, uh, uh, I don't know, where we, where, but who won? Last week? No, well, this this was the Tom Brady jamming with right. Ray Charles and Judge Judy, which <laughs> that one took me longer than any <laughs> other one I have done thus far. Um uh how about this week's winner for Tom the Tom Brady Warford being Tom Brady? Let's go outside the universe of the show and say it's um Tom Brady getting steamy in his car listening to Creed. Tom Brady. <laughs> I won't go fully there, but I'll go close enough. Tom Brady getting steamy. I can't wait to see how you get Creed involved in this. Okay, well, that's very exciting. I will listen to this the whole time I'm photoshopping that. <laughs> Awkward interaction. Is he do? Do you think he's doing a voice, or is that how he sings? This sings. I think that's just how he sings. <laughs> oh, okay. Which is why the song is Erm's word Erpen, if you actually spell it out. With no consonants. Consonants. I'm singing the song right. Okay. Anyway, we're gonna move forward. It's now time, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to announce how many spare uh well you know it was good it was real good um how good was it mike it was good uh i liked it a lot just like the jimmy episode i don't know that it carried as much emotional weight for me because obviously that we were dealing with the death penalty and you kind of bring your own sort of emotions and feelings into that conversation this was less, there was less a focal issue at hand. And 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 what I thought was interesting at the very end, uh, so yes, there was some fatigue with the storyline. So that affects my, my overall opinion. But what I thought was really, I'm impressed by, is at the end when Bobby and Bruce share that moment, there's a this moment of relief and this moment of, of joy and they're overcome with emotion. I really felt the friendship and loyalty in that little beat there more than I felt it in any of their other encounters, really. Mm, mm. And that might be because of what you're going to speak about, the red herring they were trying to play, riding the line. But that those stakes actually made it about that a little bit more, and I would have liked to have seen that throughout the arc because I, I found that to be quite powerful. And it, it kind of rooted it in something, made me root for him 
as as a character more because otherwise I didn't really it was it was kind of about Bobby versus Richard. So um yeah, so that redeemed a little bit of it for me and I wonder had they not drunk it out for so long whether that would have been more powerful for me. But nonetheless, uh the all the performances were really great. I thought the direction was really excellent. They really nailed these documentary episodes. Did you is it the same director as the documentary episode? Uh no, Alex okay. Graves didn't direct the previous one. I checked. Okay. Well, regardless, uh I really liked it. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and give it I'm going to give it 8.75 spare tires. Whoa! Practice podcast. Oh, oh my gosh. You, you, so exciting. You just <laughs> I hit a timpani and the whole thing. <laughs> you sure did. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with all that you said there. And I I do think I'm looking up who directed Spirit of America. It was Michael Schultz. Um okay. Yeah, I mean, certainly this episode suffers from story fatigue. And I think it it wasn't the fact that the story went on for that long. It's that there wasn't as much variation in the mm-hmm. storytelling. There, mm-hmm. there really wasn't a lot of, now that we can see the whole thing all together, I don't think we had anything that happened previous to this episode that was really necessary for us as an audience. I don't think we really learned anything or gained much ground other than uh, Helen's change of heart. I guess that would be the the one piece of it, but we've seen that in other in other storylines this season. So it felt like the first five episodes of this just could have been cut. Yeah. You know, if I'm if I'm show running this, I just cut that whole the first five episodes because they weren't necessary. You could have just this episode stands alone. It doesn't need any other explanation. Doesn't need any more backstory. It's all clear and contained right here. Um. And and as I said, I was going to mention that the him going crazy, now seeing it in context, really feels more of like a red herring because they were setting him up to be like, blah, 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 like throwing bananas in the courtroom. Yep. And it just it never bore out. And I and I'm glad that it didn't in, in a lot of ways. I, I'm disappointed because I was hoping it was leading to something as opposed to just sort of being filler to get to this point, but I think we got a better episode with this because it didn't go, you know, cuckoo bananas there. And I think right, that, right. I wonder if that's Alex Graves hand saying like, eh, I don't think we need it. Let's, you know, let's not have them, you know, go nuts. And I, I think that's why this episode itself as a self-contained unit was a terrific episode. It's too bad that we had all the nonsense before it that we sort of wasted a lot of time with. Um, so, all in all, I, you know, I, I was about to give a number, but I think I have one more thing to say. And I think that is the reason we don't care about this for six episodes is the character that Bruce plays is not really that likable. And that I never really rooted for him. He was always sort of uh, ungrateful and angry. Entitled a bit. Entitled. And, you know, I get it. I mean, you're on trial for murder. Your wife committed suicide. Like, you're in a bad way. But from a storytelling standpoint, I want to be given one 
hook in that that makes him likable, that makes me have empathy for him, that makes me uh, connect with him in some way. And it's not enough just having Bobby say, I like this guy. Mm-hmm. I need a reason as an audience member to like him too, because it's... You can cover that hole a little bit more. You can cover the hole a little bit more if they take the opportunity to delve into who in Bobby's past is this guy. Why is their relationship so strong? Even Lindsay and her buddy from art class, they they talked enough about that relationship that we were like, okay, we're supposed to buy into this guy. And yeah. we didn't get that here. I mean, you know, if I'm writing this, right, I'm looking for something. All right, so he he might have killed his wife, but he really likes dogs. Or he's really good with his grandmother or his kid or something. We see some sort of a a connection to him that makes him it makes us have empathy for him and care for him. We just didn't get that. So as a storyteller, I would want to raise the stakes of this with that. Because otherwise, the stakes are like, huh, yeah, I wonder if they're going to win or lose. I don't really know. Not, oh my God, like like with Bea Richards' characters, our heart was going to break for that character if right. he got thrown in jail. Or this, I'm like, I don't know. This kind of seems like a prick. So uh, I think that really would have helped this. That said, that is the very, very long way of saying, as a standalone episode, and I judge these all as standalones, I thought it was really excellent. So I'm going to give it an 8.5. So that is 8.675235. Math! Math! Okay. Guys, we have gotten through another episode of the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to reach out to us, and we're really happy to hear from you, you can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast, just Out of Practice. You can uh, email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the blog, which I'm going to update, I promise, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. The Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by generous donations from our good friends... Jennifer Masanova, Leanne writes, Jorge Novoa, feel free to make the slide go. <laughs> and Cloud Lover is 69. All the top of my head. Ha, yeah, that's pretty that. good. If you would like to join them, you can leave a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. You can do so by accessing the links in the show notes. And if you cannot, because you would like to donate to your favorite politician of choice, or you need that spare cash to make a plan to vote, don't sweat it. You can also help us out by leaving a rating or review or just telling a friend to check out the Out of Practice podcast. Don't even have to watch the practice to enjoy the show. Keith, I'm going to ask you, man, when I've jumped to the shark, I want you to go ahead and keep me alive for five days, five full episodes. And then finally, when you're done, go ahead, pull the plug and uh, shoot off those laser sounds, buddy. Laser sounds, go vote. Make a plan. Go vote. Do it. And uh, we're going to definitely talk about the results of that vote for sure. Please don't make us cry on the air again. Hmm.